18 months. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me? Hello, hello, hello. hello. Welcome back to No Theme November. (laughs) No Theme November. We're just picking the movies that have like the most requests on the Google Doc. Yep, yep. That's how we picked this movie, actually. Yes, this one has been super requested for a very long time. Um, Mm -hmm. It was my first watch ever, which is crazy. This is like... A movie I watched a ton growing up. Mm-hmm. It's still one of my favorite movies. I think it's like one of the most well-made kids movies ever. Mm-hmm. And also like my brother loved Holes, read the book. I also remembered because I was like, did I read Holes? But I didn't read Holes. I read the like spinoff book about Armpit's life. Mm. But I don't know if I finished it or not. Like it was really long. I was really young when I read it. Yeah. But it was shockingly mature Um, subject matter. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just think this story is so interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I really have like almost no exposure to Holes because it came out when I was still in Shanghai. So I like completely missed it. The only thing that I have seen of it was I watched um, while we were in college, there was a parody musical. Oh my God. Called Pitts (laughs) the Musical that... um, some people did. So I watched that, but I had like no frame of reference. So I didn't understand what was happening. Like, oh, yeah. The whole musical. I was like, I don't know what the, these jokes are supposed to mean because they're all like obviously referential to the script. Did watching it clarify like a lot of stuff you'd seen? Honestly, no. Like, I barely remember oh the musical God. because like <laughs> I didn't know what was like, I didn't really retain barely anything. Right, right. <laughs> so. I know so yeah. many people who are in that fucking musical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't see it in like its run at the pit, pits at the pit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did see a like performance that they did for, I think it was for like Welcome Week. Oh, yeah. When I was like a junior or about, or like a senior. Um, and I went to go watch that because one of our friends was in it. But. No memory. I could not tell you. I know that somebody played a lizard. Who was Stanley Yelnitz? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> the only other person I remember being in it was uh, Kuhu Verma, who is now like very successful and um, recently did that movie Plan B. Is that what it's called? What's th- What's their name? Kuhu Verma. Oh, it is called Plan B. Oh, she was in The Big Sick. Yes. Whoa, good for her. So yeah, I saw her uh, humble beginnings in <laughs> Pitts the Musical back in the day. But yeah, it was it was great to finally see it. I really didn't know like what it was going to be about other than I knew obviously that they were like digging holes and Sigourney Weaver was in it. But that's really all I knew. Yeah, watching the movie this time around, um, you know, as an older person, mm-hmm. I was like, Holy shit, like, because I feel like the most recent thing that relates to this movie um, that's, like, in the zeitgeist is, like, um, talking about those disciplinary camps that people were sent to. Yeah. And watching this made me want to watch Paris's documentary mm-hmm. about I was that. also thinking about Paris Hilton. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, obviously, this is a fictionalized 
camp, but it seems just like really aligned with what I've heard about like the injustices that happened at those disciplinary camps. Yeah. And like the adults, your guardians, your legal guardians who aren't caring for you. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting to just see that dynamic where it was like at times it felt like they weren't the enemies with the kids, but then at times it was like, this is so fucked up mm-hmm. and the psychological like warfare that they had with those kids. I was not expecting this movie to be about like the prison industrial complex, but right, right. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, it gave a lot more commentary on kind of like the criminal justice system than I think, uh, I really imagined. And I'm pretty sure the author also said like, I didn't go out to like say any political statement with this book. And I'm like, you did though. You, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad. If you didn't like it, I would have been like, but here's why you have to like it. <laughs> just a silent tear. Right. No, no, it was very good. <laughs> I was just going to say it didn't make as much in the box office as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like some crazy number, but they did make a profit. They had a 20 mil budget and they made 71.4 million in mm-hmm. the box office. Yeah. Pretty, pretty decent. Pretty good. Pretty decent. Yeah. They had big names in the movie too, mm-hmm. like Sigourney Weaver, John Voight. Yeah. Henry Winkler. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that Sigourney Weaver is actually top build, even though she doesn't appear until probably like the first 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, this is also a two hour movie. It's a long one. It's a pretty long one. Yeah. Also, I did want to just say, let me find out what her name is. Oh, Patricia Arquette. Oh, Patricia Arquette, of course. Yes. How could we forget? Yeah. I was thinking of uh, Eartha Kitt as yes. Madame Zeroni. I had no idea she was in this movie, and I did gasp when she came on my screen because I love Eartha Kitt. Pretty insane gut. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking of Sigourney, she actually wanted to be in this movie because Holes was her daughter's favorite book. That's so sweet. Yeah. I feel like there are a lot of adult actors who are like, yeah, I wanted to do a kid's movie so that my child could like actually see something that I'm Right, <laughs> right. Like spy kids. Mm-hmm. But that's really cool. I also thought she just looked incredible in this movie. Absolutely. I also found out Taj Maori, Bow Wow, and Romeo Miller all auditioned to play Zero. How wildly different that would have been. <laughs> I can only imagine them in their comedic roles. Yeah. Like, I feel like all three of them me- mostly did comedic roles. Yeah, and I think that the actor that played Zero... Cleo? Cleo? Cleo Thomas? Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. He did a great job, and I think that his, like, very restrained performance, like, suited very well. It was super grounded. Mm-hmm. Like, it really felt like he was so young, but he had just so much experience, like a a huge internal life. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Um, Some other casting news. We also found out that apparently, I mean, this is from IMDb, so I don't know how vetted this is, but apparently (laughs) Frankie Muniz was originally cast as Stanley, and they also had offered the role to Alex D. Linz, another DCOM kid. (laughs) They offered him the role? Yeah. That's crazy. Again, would have been very, very different. I can only think about him in, um, what's it called? Something's Big Move. Oh, Max Keebles. Max Keebles. Yeah. Big Move. 
I don't even know what other movie he's ever like starred in. Full Court Miracle. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. For this type of role, I mean, maybe Frankie. Yeah. But like, you need someone with like acting chops. Sorry. Sorry, Alex Stelens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe you've, you know, honed your skills over the years. I've not seen any of your recent work, Alex, but yeah. Yeah. But I could see Frankie Muniz doing something like that. I always loved him in Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, same. I loved Big Fat Liar. It was, it was like one of my favorite movies growing up. Mm-hmm. Christina found a, a recipe for Kiss and Kate Barlow's or Miss Catherine's uh, spiced peaches from it's Holes. It's true. I did. So I saw initially online that like Scholastic themselves had – created a recipe and i followed the link and it is to a dead page so damn it i don't know if scholastic has a new website now but i also found a recipe from the the blog uh based on the book from 2014 with a whole recipe about her spiced peaches so i will link that in the show notes should anyone want to make it it's it looks pretty simple it's sugar either white wine or cider vinegar cinnamon nutmeg then just says mixed spices cloves and peach slices so yum should be pretty easy Sounds autumnal honestly yeah with the cloves and everything i'm like ooh, that would be good to like i don't know maybe throw on some ice cream little like mm-hmm. caramel drizzle on top oh delicious yeah i think having a whole themed party is like so it would be an easy <laughs> theme to follow because you'd be like oh we're doing like holes attire Onions, onions and peaches. peaches. <laughs> we can all bring shovels. We can have like a trowel. You can either have an onion martini or like a, a peach. Oh, like a Gibson martini exactly. with the little onions. Yeah. Uh, or a peach bellini. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And I bet we could even get like a pot, like a flower pot and have like a trowel and be like, you can dig for like treats. Oh my God. And you like- can do dirt dirt cake as well. Oh my God. <laughs> I want my birthday this upcoming year to be yeah. holes themed. Everyone got that? You're like 27 is my holes year. Yeah. <laughs> That's my um what do you call it? Golden year? Is that when the the 2 and the 7 and I it's think the 27th. So. It's your it's your Saturn return year. Whoa. <laughs> or yeah, it's or my holes movie themed birthday year. <laughs> exactly it's whatever you want it to be really that would be so fun maybe we could get like a bar like we're at a bar and we just all show up in jumpsuits (laughs) and there are so many characters like you could be x-ray you could be armpit you'd be zigzag be miss Catherine or kiss and kate that would be kiss and kate is like the hot costume yeah definitely but you could be like a slutty miss Catherine if you wanted to Yeah, a slutty Sam, the (laughs) onion man. (laughs) Slutty Sam, the onion man. I love that. Oh, God. Um, Yeah, and pretty much the last thing we have to say about the movie is that I can't believe you don't remember the song, but like the song Dig It plays throughout the movie, like the the chorus will play and um, during the credits, the whole song plays, but it's like by the Detent Boys which are the actual actors. Oh. So if you like, yeah, it's like Shia LaBeouf does a verse and then X-Ray does a verse. Um, Cleo Thomas does a verse. And uh, 
It's really just like a fun song. I think the lyrics are actually pretty good, mm-hmm. but I remember hearing it on Disney Channel so much when I was a kid. Very cool. I'll have to go back and give it a proper, like, dedicated listen. Really immerse yourself in the in the music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, before we dive in, we just want to remind you that today our Patreon episode came out. We did Juno this month. Highly requested. Highly requested November. Yeah, truly. Um, we had so much fun doing Juno. Like, there was yeah. so much to unpack, and I feel like we, like, only just scratched the surface. But it was really enjoyable. So definitely recommend checking it out if you feel like joining our Patreon. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but without further ado, I guess, should we just head right into it? Let's jig right into it. <gasps> Ooh. Got him. Got him. <laughs> The movie opens up. We hear, dig it out, uh, uh, <laughs> and we see the men or the boy, their children. Yeah. We see the boys <laughs> digging holes in the desert of Texas. When Barf Bag, one of the kids digging the holes, gets out of his hole and he sees a rattlesnake, and he actually walks over barefoot. All the guys are yelling at him. They're like, "Step back!" barf bag like no but he sticks his foot out for the snake to bite him how dark my god what a dark oh for a kids movie Mm -hmm. on disney pretty dark opening where it's like this place is so bad i would literally rattlesnake bite. i want poison in my body before i stay here for one more second Mm -hmm. meanwhile somewhere else a pair of sneakers flies through the air and lands on the one and only Stanley Yelnuts, played by Shia LaBeouf. Stanley tells us that all his life he seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and his grandfather says it's because of the 150-year curse on their family. But Stanley's like, listen, I don't believe in the curse, but it is nice to have something to blame, especially because things do go wrong a lot. So for some reason, Stanley sniffs the shoes and (laughs) – (laughs) Then he begins running with them because there's, like, sirens. We find out there's, like, police chasing after him, and they ask him if he stole the shoes. So Stanley tells us that he is Stanley Yelnats IV, and his father, Stanley Yelnats III, is an inventor who has been trying to find a cure for the last several years. What is he trying to cure? Stinky feet. Stinky feet. <laughs> the most pressing issue that is uh, plaguing the nation today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the cops go to drop Stanley off at his apartment and his you know, dad, mother, and grandfather open the door. They're like, this is a misunderstanding. I don't know what's going on. But the cops just like bust in with a very fake looking warrant. None of this feels legit at all. <laughs> Can you get a warrant like that? Like Not that, that fast. No. And especially like that's a child. This is questionable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, as we kind of learn, they're in the pockets of uh, big holes. But <laughs> <laughs> the cops go into the bedroom and they see a poster for Sweet Feet Shoes, the shoes that Stanley is being accused of stealing. So they're like, there's our evidence, done and done, you stole the shoes. Case closed. And Grandpa's like, wait, wait a dang minute, we share this room, how do you know that's not mine? And then he's like, I'm not answering any of your questions, but Stanley is like, yes, this is my bed. And I'm like, shut 
Your mouth. Don't say, you don't have to talk to them. He's an honest boy <sighs> to his detriment. True. At dinner that day, Grandpa insists that this is all because of Stanley the First and the curse on their family. But Mom is like, there is no curse on this family. Dad and Grandpa start singing a lullaby. If only, if only the woodpecker <laughs> sighs. And when I tell you I know every word, mm-hmm. I am not – it's a short song, but I yes. Yeah. Every single word. It was like robot mode when I heard it again. <laughs> and Stanley's like, don't worry, Mom. I don't believe in the curse anyway. And then his grandpa says that they're going to need a damn good lawyer. But his mom is like, you know, we don't need one. We will just tell the truth. Don't tell so we go to court stanley stands up in front of the judge and the judge is like i could send you to jail if i wanted to and i wouldn't lose any sleep over it i'm like this kid is what like 14 yeah that's a crazy thing to say but he's like however there's an opening at camp green lake where they help troubled youth build character so what do you want to do? Do you want to go to jail or a camp? And Stanley's like, uh, I've never been to a camp before. And he's like, all right, camp it is. 18 months. Eight. Yeah. Exque- <laughs> Excuse me? Insanity. Yeah. So we then, we cut right to it. Stanley takes that bus to Camp Green Lake. We see this, this man with a with like a donkey or a horse or something outside of the bus but as soon as stanley sees it he's gone is it a ghost is it an apparition who knows a mystery so they arrive at camp and stanley asks you know where's this lake there is none and gets taken into mr sir's office so mr sir aka john voigt looks at his file and kind of mentions his name like, because he's Stanley the Fourth, and Stanley's like, oh, yeah, uh, everyone in my family gets that name because Stanley is Yelnet's backwards. And Mr. Sir then reaches in his little mini fridge, pulls out a Coke, and, you know, starts leaning over the desk. So Stanley thinks it's for him and tries to reach for it. And he's like, this is for the guard. This is not for you, kid. He's like, you thirsty, boy? And Stanley's like, yeah. And he's like, Get used to it. You're going to be thirsty for the next 18 months. Jesus. (laughs) These adults are fucking insane. I just want to say, like, there is a viral TikTok sound that comes up later in this movie. Yes. And, like, Phil had mentioned it to me. And then when I heard it and I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, seeing it originally, I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is a scary moment. Seeing it with the TikTok context, I'm like... This is so fucking funny. Oh, absolutely. Because I've heard that sound a million but times. That's too damn bad. <laughs> I'm tired of this, Grandpa. That's too damn bad. <laughs> I had no idea it was from this movie. And I did. Like, my jaw dropped when I heard it. I was like, oh, my God. That's where it's from. Because it's, it's always like, oh, babe, let's go to Target. I'm tired of this, Grandpa. That's, that's too, too damn, damn bad. bad. <laughs> In the movie, it's like, oh, my God, this is, like, (laughs) horrible child abuse that we have going on. And he looks like a zombie. He looks Like the old people makeup that they put on him, he looks (laughs) dead already. (laughs) 
I'm like, are you digging a hole for your grave? Because you're yeah. almost there. I'm like, sweetie, push him over. Man <laughs> isn't going to get up. Just blow in his direction. He'll disintegrate. Yeah. <laughs> and dust starts flying. He's a bad person, so we can say that. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> so outside, Mr. Stir asks Stanley to look around. He's like, there aren't any guards. You know, you're free to run away if you want. We wouldn't even waste a bullet on you. But we have the only water for 100 miles. You wouldn't last three days out there. So Mr. Sir gives him his, like, clothes and his lounge clothes and tells Stanley he has to dig one hole each day. He's going to use his shovel as a measuring stick. has to be, like, one length deep and then one length wide. Yeah, it's, like, like five by five. I think. Yeah. yeah. And he warns him that he needs to stay alert for lizards and rattlesnakes. The worst thing that can happen to him is being bit by a yellow spotted lizard because it's deadly. Sure. That's the best they can do. They're not like, you know, we've put in fences or like mm. any. There's like, you got to watch out, kiddo. So Dr. Pendansky comes up to Stanley and he's like, just because you've done some bad things doesn't make you a bad kid. Yeah, so Dr. Pendansky, he is like one of the counselors at the camp, and he shows Stanley around like the mess hall, the rec room, and says that there's only one temperature for the showers, cold. (laughs) Cold. Cold. (laughs) And the number one most important rule is not to upset the warden. And Stanley thinks that Mr. Sir is the warden. He's like, oh, no, no. He's not the warden. He's just been grumpy since he quit cigarettes. So I do wonder what a cigarette smoking Mr. Sir was like if there was really that noticeable of a difference. Because it seems Mm -hmm. like this is just his nature. But we then see some kids come up to Stanley and Doc and they ask about Barf Bag since he's not back at the camp yet. What a nickname. I know. I got to wonder what he – like where did he throw up to get that? (laughs) (laughs) But – Doc tells them that he's not coming back to camp. He is actually still in the hospital. So Doc introduces Stanley to Rex, Alan, and Theodore. And they're like, um, actually, our names are X-Ray, Squid, and Armpit. So don't get it <laughs> twisted. I'm like, actually, our names are Momo, Mo Money, and Christini <laughs> Linguini. Exactly. Uh, don't get it twisted. Yeah. So... <laughs> We go into the tent that Stanley is going to stay in. They're just like, here are your sleeping quarters. Keep your bed clean. It is stained. (laughs) It is already stained. (laughs) It's pretty abysmal. Mm -hmm. Dr. Pendansky introduces Stanley to Zero, and he tells them they call him Zero because there's nothing going on up there. It just throughout the movie, the sheer abuse that Zero gets is so sad to see. There's so much contempt for him specifically. Yeah, it doesn't see like it just seems like it's because he's tiny and he's quiet. Yeah. Because he doesn't do anything. I don't think it's racially charged because there are other like there are other black kids there mm-hmm. who are being mean to him. <laughs> the, like Yeah. Cause my my thought is probably because, I mean, this is revealed later on, but mm-hmm. Zero is the only kid here who, like, doesn't have a family. That's true. And as far as we know, is the only kid here that's homeless. Um, So I think because of that, there's absolutely, like, no accountability for how they treat him. So crazy. Because all these other kids, 
are, you know, supposedly going to be going home to their families, to their parents, but Zero doesn't have any. So then he just becomes like the one that they, they can do anything to with no repercussions. Mm-hmm. That's my my theory, at least. Yeah, but. I think that makes sense. So in the cafeteria, Stanley gets his lunch. Total slop, bro. Like they were like, here are some beans. We're going to put them in the blender and then we'll add in more beans. Yep. And that's what you're eating. So Stanley sits down and X-Ray just like takes his bread. He's like, you didn't dig today. You wouldn't mind if I eat that, right? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) So they asked Stanley what he got in trouble for. And he's like, I stole a pair of shoes. They were Clyde Livingston's shoes. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And they don't believe it. And Stanley's like, yep, Clyde donated his World Series cleats to a homeless shelter. And Zero's like, do they have red X's on them? Everyone turns. They're surprised to hear Zero speak at all. And Stanley's like, yeah, they did. This is important Hmm. information that you may need later. So we then cut to court and we see a lawyer cross-examining Clyde about these donated shoes. And this like scene, I couldn't help but feel like wasn't supposed to be in this place, that they just kind of like moved it to this spot. I am... Not sure because mm-hmm. on the one I can see that, but I can also see it being like when they have those flashbacks like every so often. Yeah. I was also wondering if it was because the next scene we see is like everyone sleeping except for Stanley and he's like thinking about stuff. Right. I was like maybe he's like dreaming or thinking about that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I would love to hear director commentary on this movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So in this like courtroom scene – Clyde is telling the court that he was an orphan and he actually grew up in that like homeless shelter and that's why he wanted to donate the shoes and he doesn't understand what kind of a person would steal from homeless children and then looks at Stanley and is like, you're no fan of mine. Damn. And then we flash to Stanley in his his old bedroom with the Clyde poster looking shocked. So... That night, everyone is sleeping except for Stanley. He's thinking about his grandfather talking about the family curse, and he says it doesn't matter how smart you are. You need luck, which we don't have. His mom brings up how the first Stanley made a fortune on the stock market, and his dad is like, yes, but he lost it all because he was robbed by kissing Kate Barlow. Mm. Flashback to the wild, wild west where Stanley's great-grandfather, not great-great, just great-grandfather, I think, um, Stanley the first is held at gunpoint by Kissin' Kate Barlow. And who is that played by? It's Patricia Arquette, of course. Oh, my God. Huge star. He gets robbed, but Stanley's like, you know, did she kiss him? And they're like, no, because she only kissed the men she killed. And instead, she left him stranded in the desert with no food or water for 16 days. Mm. Back to reality. The morning horn goes off. So not even crack of dawn. It is still it's still dark out. And Mr. Sir opens this door. And I did like how above it is labeled like library. And it's just yeah. a shed full of, of uh, shovels. <laughs> And the kids all go, they pick up their shovels, Stanley grabs one, but X-Ray ends up like taking it out of his hand and throwing it to the ground. 
And one of the other kids comes over and is like, oh, yeah, you actually took x-rays usual usual shovel like it's slightly smaller than all the other ones and a smaller shovel means a smaller hole because that's how they measure Mm -hmm. so as the sun does rise finally the kids head out into the desert with their shovels and mr sir tells stanley that if he finds anything interesting while he's digging he has to report it and if the warden likes it then he'll get the rest of the day off and he's like What am I supposed to be looking for, Mr. Sir? And he says, you're not looking for anything. You're building character. You take a bad boy, you make him dig holes all day. He turns him into a good boy. That's our philosophy here at Green Lake Camp. So, that sounds fun. You have to do Mr. Sir. Like, if we did have a holes party, you'd have to do him. You're not looking for anything. You're building character. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Great. So later on, Stanley's digging. Armpit just keeps, like, throwing his dirt into Stanley's hole. So Stanley's like, hey, uh, guys, like, would you mind just throwing your dirt in another direction? It's getting in my hole. And everyone's like, ha, 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 shut up. Shut up. It's like, (laughs) damn, let him live. Right? He's being um, hazed. Absolutely. Just, like, immensely. Yeah. Stanley, again, thinks about his grandfather. You just have so much time to think, digging holes. True. And he thinks about his grandfather telling him how the curse with Ilya Yelnats began. Flashback. Ilya is in Latvia. He is shoveling Morris Menke's barn when he falls in love with his beautiful daughter. So Ilya goes to a fortune teller for advice Madame Zeroni, played by Eartha Kitt. Incredible. And she tells him to go to America because that's where his future is. Not with Myra, who is an idiot. I think she's like, and she calls her head an empty flower pot. Yeah. Um, I did read that in the book. There's um, more of a relationship between Ilya and Madame Zeroni. Mm. Like they're friends in town or whatever. Right. But in the movie, they just have them do this like one scene. Mm-hmm. But they do seem friendly, um, but they're actually friends and have a history in the book. Yeah. Which I think makes a little bit more sense based on what happens later. Definitely. Yeah. So Ilya's like, okay. And then promptly goes to Morris Menke to ask where his daughter's hand in marriage. Turns out this rancid man, Igor. An old man. He is not my choice. (laughs) He has offered Menke his fattest pig to marry Myra. And Menke is like, okay, Ilya, you know, what do you have to offer? And he's like, a heart of love. And everyone just laughs at him. Mm. Menke's like, I'd rather have the pig. (laughs) Classic dads. What are you going to do? They always want the fattest pigs. I know, right? So (laughs) Elia goes back to Madame Z and is like, this is my predicament. And she tells him what he needs to do is take one of like the little pigs that she has in her yard. And every day he must carry it up the mountain, make it drink from the stream while singing the woodpecker lullaby. And she says that every day the pig will get fatter and he will get stronger. Then after he gives the pig to Menke, all he needs to do is carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain, sing that song while she drinks from the stream so that she can get strong too. But... 
if you forget to come back for me, then your family will be cursed for all eternity. So, Bruh. Don't Wouldn't forget. Wouldn't that put a chill in your <laughs> fucking spine? Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to write that bad boy down somewhere. Maybe you want to file it away, put it on your calendar. Like, oh, what day of me walking the pig up the mountain is it? Hmm. Looks like I need to carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just, you know, things to keep in mind. So eventually, after much pig carrying, he presents his pig to Mankey along with Igor. And Mankey is like, okay, my sweet, stupid daughter, who would you like to marry? <laughs> and she's like, uh, I don't know. Which of the pigs is bigger? And he's like, they're the same size, sweetheart. You have to make the decision. So (laughs) she couldn't possibly make a decision between this like handsome boy who's her age and this old man. So she instead decides to pick a number between one and ten and whoever guesses correctly wins. And Elia is like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) I'm not doing that. He's really pissed that this is what it's come to. So he rips the bouquet apart and tells her to marry Igor and she can keep his pig as a wedding present. So he then decides to take Madame Zeroni's advice and move to America. But as he's sitting on that boat, he remembers that he never went back for her to carry her up the mountain. Ah. When you're literally on a boat to America and you remember you didn't carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain. I fucking hate it when that happens. I know. Point of view. Mm. You're on your way to America. <laughs> POV. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So back at present day, back to Camp Green Lake, Stanley is the last one to finish digging his hole. He heads back to camp alone. He takes a shower and afterwards, Mr. Sir like holds him at gunpoint out of the blue. He's like, don't move. And then shoots the lizard that's behind him. But he misses and the lizard starts charging at Stanley. Mr. Sir shoots his head off just in time. Yeah, I was like, what in the Jurassic Park is happening right now? Because what's the name of that dinosaur that like... Oh, I do not know. Has that same ear thing. It reminded me of that. And that thing terrified me whenever I would watch Jurassic Park, like Mm -hmm. with the weird flaps and it would be like... I hated it. I don't think I've ever seen Jurassic Park. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's great. Mm -hmm. Got a little Laura Dern, a little Jeff Goldblum. It's a classic. So back in the tent, the other kids are asking Stanley about his lizard encounter. Like, oh, what color was its blood? And they're like, oh my gosh, like – if it hadn't been for Mr. Sir shooting it, like you would have been dead in a hole. Thank you. Yeah, it's like, wow, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> and they say that each lizard has 11 spots, but if you get close enough to count them, you're already done for. You're done. Yeah. So we see a montage. It's another morning where Stanley wakes up to the trumpet. He writes a letter to his mother about the wonderful food, the lake. You know, passing swimming tests, friends, the wildlife. And we see like a scorpion on his bed. So he's just making up a nice story for his mommy. Mm -hmm. And he says the other boys aren't bad kids. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, like him. 
And as he's finishing this letter, he's in the lounge. This kid snatches Stanley's letter and he's like, your parents don't care. They're glad to be rid of you. Trust me. Jeez. I would say most kids there are under different circumstances than Stanley. Yeah, I I think so. Stanley takes the letter out of the trash and kind of like tries to smooth it out and then puts it in the mailbox. He kisses the envelope too, which I thought was sweet. He is a very sweet boy. So another day, digging holes. Everybody is getting their canteens filled. Stanley actually goes up to Doc and is like, hey – I found this fossil in my hole. Like, maybe this might be something I could trade for a day off. <laughs> and Doc is like, nah, Warden's not looking for fossils. Sorry, kid. Why don't you call your local museum? <laughs> See if they might find it interesting. <laughs> And the other kids are, like, looking at the fossil, and they see that it has fish on it. And Stanley's like, oh, wow, so there really was a lake out here once. And Doc is like, yeah, there was a whole town, too. The warden's grandfather owned the lake in half the town. Flashback (laughs) to the lake and the town where Sam the Onion Man, played by Dulé Hill, is selling onions. He calls them God's chosen vegetable, nature's magic vegetable. Uh, I do want to say really quickly, though, Armpit is looking at the fossil and he's like, oh, they're like caveman drawings. Oh, yes. Keep that in your brain for a second. Sam is out there selling his onions. Um, He's looking very handsome. Yeah. And the kids from the schoolhouse run out, followed by Miss Catherine, played by Patricia Arquette. Ooh. And she's, like, in her school-made teacher's uniform. Like, her hair is curled. She's looking quite pristine. Mm -hmm. Sam tells them about how the Egyptians knew all about the healing properties of onions. He says all Mary Lou eats are onions, and she is over 100 years old. Mm. I think Miss Catherine's like, oh, you wouldn't know that. Like, you're only 25 (laughs) years old. So some men come up to Sam's stand wanting to buy more lizard juice, and Sam's like, oh, your friend back there, who is literally dead under a sheet. Yeah. He is under a sheet. They like do the, they pan over, they like lift up the sheet. He's like, oh, he wasn't so smart because lizards don't like onion juice. So you got to buy my onion juice mm. if you want to stay alive. I absolutely did not catch that that was going to be important for later. At this point in my first watch, I was just like, oh, what a weird, dark little moment. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Crazy. But a major plot point for later on. Right. (laughs) Sam gives Miss Catherine a special bag of onions and she gives him some peaches. Mm. Um, She makes these really great spiced peaches. So that's her specialty. That's such like... I really want to be like one of those girls that has like, oh, I make this like special thing, you know, where it's like I have this one. Yeah, but like anyone can knit. Like I want to be like, oh, I have this like special recipe that's all mine for this amazing Mm -hmm. thing that I make and no one else can make it like I can. (laughs) That's so cool. I do. I feel you there Mm -hmm. because Phil, like we made banana bread the other day. Mm Phil called up his aunt Kathy and goes, Kathy, I need your banana bread recipe. And he's like, you know, no one makes it like Kathy. Like Kathy has the best recipe. And 
he won't let us make like deviled eggs. Well, like not let, but like he's <laughs> no like, I will tell you right now. <laughs> I will tell you right now, Diane, his aunt Diane mm-hmm. makes like the best deviled eggs, right, right? Right. So it's like those things that you're like, oh, I hope, you know, Christina brings like that pie that to the function. Yeah. 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 That is really fun. Like that's that's the kind of that girl that I want to be. Like not the actual that girl aesthetic, but like that girl that makes the best. <laughs> She's that girl. baked boom. good here. <laughs> she brought the best cupcakes to the function. Boom. She always has the coziest sweaters on. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. She can make like the best charcuterie board. Yeah. <laughs> In case you haven't guessed, um, I am a Taurus listeners, but yeah. Anyways, not to interrupt. So they exchange their <laughs> special wares. It's like real live Etsy mm-hmm. and <laughs> the barter system. <laughs> right. And one of the guys says that sometimes he thinks Green Lake, Texas is heaven on earth and says that Miss Catherine's peaches are the work of an angel. So this is Trout Walker and he mm-hmm. has a huge crush on Miss Catherine. We then go back to present day, aka 2003. Um, and <laughs> aka 20 years ago. Yeah. And <laughs> shocking. X-ray tells Stanley, he's like, hey, I don't know what you think you were pulling just now by bringing this fossil up, but like, if you ever find something, you're gonna bring it to me because. I've been here for six months and I've never found anything. You just got here. Like, you don't deserve a day off. Capiche? And Stanley's like, okay, if I find anything, I will bring it to you. Sorry. (laughs) So we then cut to the lounge where somebody, like, bumps into Stanley and he ends up, like, kind of tripping over this guy who's sitting on a chair and the guy's like, watch where you're going. And Stanley, like, quite suddenly catches a little bit of an attitude. Like, he's starting oh, yeah. to stand up for he's himself. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I'm being pushed around a lot these days. I got to say something. And this is when I'm choosing to do it. And so the guy's like, <laughs> pretty bull time. Watch out. And Stanley's like, you watch it. And the guy's like, what did you fucking say to me? So a physical altercation ensues. There is a fight. X-Ray has to come and break it up and is like, hey, we're not going to fight because otherwise the warden is going to come down on all of us. Like, Mm -hmm. we're all on the same team here. So the guys walk over to, like, the pool table with Stanley and they're like, yeah, yeah, like we got your back. No one messes with Caveman. They're like, yeah, Caveman, Caveman. That's Stanley's nickname. He is the Caveman now. He's been initiated. Later on, Mr. Sir comes out to the desert to fill up their – bottles i couldn't tell if this was another day or if they went back to the mess hall for lunch i have no concept of like time in this movie because it's just holes and and food and holes and food and flashbacks (laughs) so i really don't know how long they're there for holes this thing Mm -hmm. this thing holes (laughs) but they're back out there and x-ray pulls caveman in line cutting zero he's like this is your place now mm-hmm. zero is always at the bottom of the food chain i really hate to see it i know because he also digs the fastest yes like it's been established mm-hmm. um and he is the tiniest yeah so. yeah clearly he's like the youngest he's the smallest he digs the fastest he like keeps mm-hmm. himself he stays out of the drama and everyone fucking hates him and 
calls him an idiot the whole time. Yeah. He is a victim of the system, like fully. Yeah. Later on, we cut to therapy with Dr. Pendansky, and he tells the boys they only have one life. And so far, they've done a good job at screwing it up. And Stanley's kind of like in bro mode right now. He's like, yeah, I'm chilling with my boys. (laughs) And Dr. P is like, Stanley, do you know the person responsible for getting you here? And he's like, "Um, yeah, my no good, dirty, Ron, pig stealing great great grandfather. That's who. Can I get an amen? So, Mr. Van Dansky's like, um, it's you. It's actually you. It's actually your own actions. And literally, no one knows what you're talking about. No one knows what we you're referring to. We don't know your to. family lore. <laughs> right. Your family lore, that is like all you discuss at dinner. So he's like, it is up to you to fix it. And then he tells them that even Zero isn't completely worthless. And he's like, Zero, what do you like to do? Zero doesn't say anything at first. And then he's like, I like digging holes. And he's like, well, you came to the right place. <laughs> step right up, bucko. Yeah, step right up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I found, like, uh, Dr. Pandensky to be, like, quite interesting because – at first, you kind of see him as, like, a little bit of an ally because he is so much nicer mm-hmm. than, like, Mr. Sir is. But then that gets, like, completely cut by the way that he treats Zero, which is just with, like, so much contempt. Yeah, the way that they flip-flop sometimes. Even I feel like Mr. Sir has these moments where he jokes with them right. or gets along with them. And then it's just, like, absolute mental psychological warfare. Yeah. Especially with Zero. Definitely. So we then get a letter from Stanley's mom. She writes him saying that getting letters from him kind of makes her feel like one of those moms who actually can afford to send one of her children to summer camp. And she kind of talks about what's going on at home. Dad is on the verge of a breakthrough with his stinky feet business. And she hopes Mm -hmm. that he's right because the landlord is literally threatening to evict them because of the odor emanating from their apartment at all times. She also says, uh, like, a little joke that she feels really sorry for the old lady who lived in the shoe because it must have smelled really bad. (laughs) And Stanley kind of, like, giggles to himself as he reads this in, like, the tent. And Zero's like, oh, what are you laughing at? And Stanley tells Zero the joke, but Zero is kind of, like, stone-faced. And Zero just kind of stands over his shoulder, and Stanley asks him – to like not because he feels awkward with him like reading this letter over his shoulder and Zero's like oh I actually I can't read that's hard that is I think one of the most devastating things like that a child doesn't know how to read I think that's just so awful like everyone should have the opportunity to get an education yeah to like be able to show up to school in the morning. Like, not everyone has a reliable ride to school. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's parents care that they're up and going to school. Yeah. And, um, I mean, Zero has, like, a hard life. Like, it seems like later on we find out his mom really cares for him. She just had her own issues and stuff. But, yeah, it's just really sad. Also, none of the kids are receiving any tutoring or any, no. like, they're not doing any school work while they're here. So, 
they're all being um, held back in that regard for sure. Oh yeah. It just like really fuels the like cycle of a lack of education feeding into poverty. I mean, really when we think about it, like this movie is a lot about kind of like cycles and generational stuff kind of like coming back Mm -hmm. to haunt you like generational trauma and that I think really lends itself well to the way that they kind of approach the cycle of like once you're in the system and how that will like continue Mm -hmm. to affect you especially at this like very developmental stage of life a moral that still is like incredibly relevant today yeah I do feel that this movie has aged like very well and is still very Uh, relevant yeah so zero actually asks stanley if he will teach him how to read but stanley is kind of apprehensive he's like oh i'm not really a teacher and like i get really tired from digging all day so like afterwards i just kind of want to come back and chill and breaks my heart for poor zero yeah he must have been so this is a fake character but like in the in the head of the character i'm Mm -hmm. like he must have really had to get his confidence up to ask him and to be honest with him about that. And yeah. then he's like, I'm really tired. Yeah. I can't teach you the ABC. Sorry. I'm really tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Stanley, come on, man. Yeah. So back to the holes. Stanley keeps digging and he notices something in his hole. That sounds so wrong. <laughs> but Magnet – comes over and he's like oh what is it what is it and stanley looks at it remembering what x-ray told him before he's like hey x-ray come over here take a look and they decide it's like it's a metal tube and they think it's too skinny to be a shotgun shell and they notice the letters kb engraved on it surrounded by a little heart and x-ray is like i'm gonna go turn this into mom and stanley's like wait no way because he found it. He's mm-hmm. like, your hole's already dug. Like, you don't even need a day off. And X-Ray is like, excuse me? So he's like, oh, you should hand it in tomorrow. Since your hole's already dug, you can get the whole day off. Ugh. Stanley, you have literally no spine. Yeah. But he is so new, like, you kind of got to defer to the... I guess you kind of have to, To the structure. I mean, since this is essentially like a jail that we have going, so... Mm -hmm. You're kind of at the mercy of the powers that be. So the next day, we're back at the holes. It's the morning. Everybody is filling up their canteens, and X-Ray, once he has his water, goes over to the area where he is supposedly about to start digging, and is like, oh, hey... Jock, like, I found something. He comes over, looks at this little metal tube, and X-Ray is like, so do I get the day off? And Doc says that he'll have to call over the warden. She has to check it out first. So the warden drives down in her baller car, walks up, and we see the warden for the first time in the flesh, like halfway through the movie, is Miss Sigourney Weaver. She struts over in her little boots and her jeans and her tucked-in shirt. She looks incredible. Absolutely. Her, like, curly hair flowing in the wind. Oh, yeah. Scene-stealing entrance. I love it. So she asks X if this is where he found the tube, and he says yes. So she tells Doc to drive X-Ray back to camp, give him double shower tokens and a snack, but first – As a reward to all, 
fill their canteens. And he's like, oh, don't even worry about it. I already did. And she's like, <laughs> Ex fucking excuse me? I didn't ask you if you filled them. I told you to fill them again. And he's like, but, but I just failed him. And she's like, <laughs> you, caveman, get up here. She knows him by nickname. They've never met before. Yeah. And so Stanley gets up there and she asks if he's taken a drink since the canteens were filled. And he's like, oh, no, I have plenty. And she says, excuse me. And he's like, I, I guess I guess I have taken a drink. And she takes his canteen, aka it's a plastic water bottle, and she <laughs> shakes it around. His like <laughs> apple apple juice gallon yeah, with the label like a, peeled off. Um, a mug, uh, like a, a milk jar that's been fucking empty. Yeah. And whoever's done props for this movie, great job. Yeah. I really I think it fits very well. Absolutely. So she shakes around the jug and is like, you hear all that empty space, doctor? Fill it up. And if that's too much trouble, you can grab a shovel and caveman here can fill the canteens. Ooh. So she's really laying down the law. This kind of sets everything in motion. She tells caveman and Zero to take over X-Ray's hole and tells everybody that they're going to dig this dirt twice. Mm-hmm. So the crew is digging furiously and they actually make – a huge hole. It's like tunnels of holes. Mm -hmm. I guess in the book it was just like described as they made three huge holes and then they all became it came became one big hole. Right. But in the movie it's like tunnels and yeah, it looks like trenches. Yeah. Later on, caveman asks Zigzag how the warden knew his name, and he's like, "Oh, she has the whole place wired." And X-ray tells him that Zigzag suffers from acute paranoia. So can't be trusted. But Magnet's like, oh, whoa, that means she watches me every day. And Armpit's like, he said that she has cameras and microphones, not microscopes. LOL. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> they put this in a kid's movie? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's some dark themes in this movie. So there are. I wonder what this rating is. Yeah. I guess what it probably PG. I guess PG, but. I, I feel like it should be PG thirteen. Let me let me take a look. It is PG for violence, mild language, and some thematic elements. Mm. So we then get a flashback where we see Miss Catherine, Patricia Arquette, letting the kids go after the school day. The rain is pouring outside. She's like, I know it's raining, but you do have to come back tomorrow. Like your education's important. Mm -hmm. And that's when sweet sam the onion man comes in uh, and he's like miss Catherine, uh, i thought you might still want some onions and he notices that her ceiling is leaking and i think she makes a joke like oh are your magical onions good for fixing the ceiling too and he says i can fix that I'm good with my hands. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, Sam, I what? <laughs> oh, my God. Are you seducing me right now? <laughs> he was like, I built my own boat to get to my onion field. Like, I can definitely get the job done. And so he asks if, you know, in exchange for fixing the ceiling, he can get three jars of her spiced peaches. And she agrees. So he gets to work on the roof. So when he finishes, he's like... 
I guarantee that roof for five years and ask if there's anything else. And Miss Catherine, we can tell, you know, there's a spark Mm -hmm. between them. There is a flirtation. She's like, well, you know, the windows won't open and the kids and I would like a breeze every now and then. And Sam tells her, I can fix that. (laughs) So one evening while Sam is fixing the window, Miss Catherine is reading to a child. He actually finishes one of the lines she's reading and says, with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabelle Lee. Oh, my God. He reads Edgar Allan Poe? My goodness. I know. <laughs> and Miss Catherine is completely moved. And she's like, you know, the door doesn't hang straight. And he's like, I can fix that. Miss Catherine is breaking into the school in the middle of the night to break everything she possibly Just can. Like bashing in the windows. Yeah. And you know what? I would do it too. So that night, we have like a little night school situation. So not only does she teach the children, but she also is teaching um, illiterate adults too. Mm -hmm. So she's teaching the men of the town how to read. One of the students in class reads out a sentence and then fucking shitty little Trout Walker decides to make fun of the guy who just read the sentence out loud. And so after class, he decides, oh, you know what? I just swept her off her feet. Let me shoot my shot. Yeah. (laughs) And he goes up to Miss Catherine and asks to take her out for a picnic and a ride on his motorboat. And she says no. And he's like, people don't tell me no. And she's like, I believe I just did. And he leaves very upset. He's an incel. Absolutely. I guess as soon as I saw this dude, I was like, he's literally going to burn everything to the ground. Of course. Of course. Mm -hmm. So we cut back, you guessed it, to the holes. (laughs) The warden walks around these huge holes they've dug and tells Mr. Sir, today's the day. Armpit. Oh, God. I (laughs) I, like can't even look at the screen. Armpit comes up to her and he's like, I think I found something and gives her a microwave knob, Mm. a little like turny like thing. Oh, my goodness. And she's like, are you trying to be funny or do you think I'm stupid? (laughs) And Armpit tells her he wasn't trying to be funny and like looks insanely scared. And Mr. Sir is like, that's a week of shower privileges taken away. And everyone's just like, no. outside and mr sir tells the warden aside from that you know everything is going well and the warden's like i want results maybe you'd get better results if you actually knew where the lipstick was found Mm -hmm. yep but i'm also like how have they not dug into that territory at this point you know how far away it's true so we then flash back again to miss catherine And her and Sam, you know, that all of their work is complete. And she tells Sam that this is the finest schoolhouse in all of Texas. He thanks her. He gives her this feather. And she is just, like, so enamored with him. Mm -hmm. The chemistry is there. The sparks are flying. And later that night, we see Miss Catherine reading this sad book by herself. And we see, like, the tears fall on the page. Oh. And Sam, oh my God, Sam comes in and he just looks at her and he's like, I can fix that. 
and they kiss, and it's so beautiful. He like wipes off the tear on her cheek. It's ah, uh, yeah. They're they're by candlelight. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? I fucking love a period drama. I love a period love romance. <laughs> Where's the next season of Bridgerton? <laughs> Truly, though, my god. <laughs> It's also, like, it's such a beautiful moment, but you already know that it's going to end tragically because of Of the time period and the location that we're in. And, of course, they are seen by Trout Walker. It should be important to note that, like, Sam the Onion Man is a black man. Yes. I don't think we mentioned it. I don't think we did. If you know who Dulé Hills or have seen the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, there is – Racial tension. Mm-hmm. Not it's not good that Trout saw them. Yes. Yeah. Back to digging. <laughs> and the boys just keep on digging. Mm-hmm. But the warden is displeased because guess what? They haven't found shit. <laughs> so Mr. Sir and Dr. Pandansky say, if there was anything here, you know, we would have found it by now. And the warden's like, stop talking. Grab a shovel if you can't make the boys dig any faster. Why don't you grab a shovel? Jesus. Oh, I think she did. She she been digging. She put yeah. her time in. <laughs> sure. So they do another flashback. Um, oh, this is devastating. I forgot yeah. what I was about to say. They do a flashback. Mm. The men in the town are throwing like torches at the schoolhouse. They are completely destroying it. It's in flames. It's it's on fire. Miss Catherine just like runs to them. She's like, please help me. Stop, stop, please help. And she runs to the sheriff. He is drunk. He's like, give me a kiss and grabs her. And she's like, no, no. Like the schoolhouse, it's on fire, da, da, da. And she's like, you're drunk. And he's like, I always get drunk before hanging. And Miss Catherine tells him that if they're hanging Sam, then sh- they should hang her too because she kissed him back. And he's like, it, it's not illegal for you to kiss him. It's illegal for him to kiss you. So Miss Catherine runs to find Sam to warn him, but he's already on the lake. He's going to his onion field, and the men are in the motorboat, and they shoot Sam in his onion boat. And you just see – Miss Catherine, absolutely devastated. It was horrifying. Mm -hmm. So after this like really devastating, horrible moment, we go back to the holes again. Mr. Sir tells the boys that they've all decided that their character building would be best served by digging individual holes. So we're not doing this whole trench thing anymore. Mm -hmm. We then once again... Cut back to the flashback story. The morning after Sam's murder, Catherine walks into the sheriff's office. She's wearing this like red outfit. It's very different from anything we've seen her wear prior. Yeah. And she's like, good morning, sheriff. Did you still want that kiss? And he smiles and starts to lean in and she shoots him. Mm -hmm. In front of the inmates too. And then she walks around the desk, kisses him on the cheek leaving that lipstick mark, and that is how she became Kiss and Kate. And I must say, 
I fully did not recognize Patricia Arquette when we saw Kiss and Kate for the first time. So this was a surprise to me when it happened. Oh my gosh. I was like, <gasps> I was like, oh my god, the dots are connected. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was quite the moment for me. But for anyone else, it's like obviously we saw her earlier in the movie, but I just didn't recognize that it was the same person. Yeah, I think the transformation that they do for her is really mm. great too. Like from this very modest school woman mm. teacher clothing to this like kind of flashy hat and like long hair yeah. and just like bold red lipstick. So yeah. So then back to the holes, we see Mr. Sir filling up the boys' canteens and Magnet is kind of snooping around his truck a little bit while he's distracted. We also notice that Stanley is looking up at the sky because I think they see a cloud in the distance or something. Mm-hmm. And he tells Stanley not to get his hopes up because storms never make it past the mountain. And he gathers all the boys around. He's like, I'm going to tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a magical place where it never rained. The end. Now back to work. So sends everybody back to their holes And as Mr. Sir drives off in his truck, Magnet is like, hey, guys, anyone want some sunflower seeds? Because he stole them from Mr. Sir. I don't think we mentioned it, but, like, he's always eating sunflower seeds because he quit smoking. That's kind of his, like, replacement thing that he has going. Mm -hmm. So, and that's how we learn, like, that's why Magnet's nickname is Magnet. Like, he's he's a thief. He steals stuff. He's a little kleptomaniac. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't help it when I see something, my fingers just go crazy. I gotta grab it. So they pass around the sunflower seeds. Zero looks very stressed, rightfully so. And as they're kind of munching away, Mr. Sir whips his truck around and starts driving back to the dig site. So Stanley is like, oh, fuck. He ends up dropping the sunflower bag in his hole so seeds are spilling everywhere he's trying to like cover them up he like kind of digs some dirt over the bag but you can fully see there's just so many seeds you can't not see them so many so mr sir walks over to stanley and is like oh how'd those get there and stanley decides to cover up for a magnet and says that he is the one who took the seeds from the truck and mr sir is like wow the warden might be interested in what you found in your hole there. So. So, so, so. We go to the warden's house and Mr. Sir's like, hey, we, Stanley found something. Why would you phrase it like that? <laughs> right, right. The warden who has been pissed off, mm-hmm. super angry, has been at the holes the past several days being like, we just found this lipstick tube. We're onto something. She's like, come in, come in. Like, what did you find? And Mr. Sir makes Stanley tell the warden about the sunflower seeds. And she's like, Stanley, please get the brass case from my bureau. It has my nail polish in it. So she, he walks over to go get the nail polish. While he's over there, he notices all of these like Kiss and Kate Barlow posters, like a wanted poster and headlines and newspaper clippings the warden has. He brings over the nail polish And the warden takes a bottle and she's like, I make this myself with a rattlesnake venom. Mm. And she begins painting a few of her nails and she's like, I like the way it makes the color look. 
and it's perfectly harmless when it dries and like caresses the side of Stanley's face. (sighs) Then she tells Mr. Sir to come over and she smacks Mr. Sir just like, (sighs) like a freaking tiger. And he like falls on the floor and he starts writhing. He's kicking his feet, screaming. And the warden tells Stanley to go back to his hole. Oh my God. Fucking ruthless. Yeah. That woman is soulless. Like, yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. I mean, like, we we learned this kind of later. She did. She had a bit of a rough, a rough childhood. However, when that doesn't justify abuse, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like, I think I'll take my trauma out on everyone, everyone. around me. Yeah. Especially children. So we go back to the holes. Stanley gets back and all the guys are like, oh, my God, like we didn't even think you would come back. What did she do to you? And Stanley's like, nothing. She didn't do anything to me. So they're all shocked. And Stanley also shocked because he gets back to see that his hole has been dug. Oh, my God. Who did it? The sweetest soul on this campsite. Zero. Mm-hmm. And Stanley walks over to Zero and is like, Zero, why did you dig my hole for me? And he's like, because you didn't steal the sunflower seeds. And Stanley's like, yeah, but you didn't steal them either. And Zero just kind of looks at him and goes, I know you didn't steal the shoes. Aww. I loved Zero. I, I know. Had a, as a kid, I had a huge crush oh, on Zero. Yeah. I could see that. I thought he was so cute. Yeah, he's truly so sweet. And Stanley is like, do you still want to learn how to read? And Sarah says yes. So they shake on it. Later on in the mess hall, Mr. Sir argues with the cook. He's like, $14 for onions. And the cook is like, you told me to get onions. And he's like, not $14. And he's like, taste it. So Mr. Sir is about to taste the soup when one of the guys is like, what happened to your face? Mr. Sir has just the nastiest Mm. gash. It's like inflamed. Looks infected. For real. So he grabs this kid by the collar and just pushes him to the ground. And he's like, does anyone see anything wrong with my face? And they're like, no, no, no. And he's like, in fact, I think I look real pretty. And he, like, tells the kid to clean this up. And Mr. Pandansky tells everyone, you know, we just learned a valuable lesson. We're all people. Mr. Sir is a sensitive man, just like all of us. So we're back at the holes once again. (laughs) (laughs) The holes? Crazy. Never heard of her. So actually, I did read that they didn't shoot this in Texas. They actually shot this in California. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah. So Mr. Sir is filling up the canteens once again. Stanley gets up to have his canteen filled, but Mr. Sir just pours his water on the ground. So oops, we got a little uh, retribution going on. Stanley then kind of like thinks about the posters that he saw in the warden's house and how the the little tube that they found was engraved with the letters KB. He starts putting the pieces together. And when Zero goes up to him to offer him some water, Stanley is like, hey, I was thinking about that gold tube. Like, 
I think it was a lipstick tube and that KB mm-hmm. stands for Kiss and Kate Barlow. So the puzzle piece, the dots are connecting. He's plugged into the matrix. It's all coming together. Yes. We flash back to Kiss and Kate and we see her riding her horse through the Wild West. This is the montage of mm-hmm. her like doing her crimes. You know, we see her headlines in the paper. Mm-hmm. We see her wanted poster. And there's some like sort of like really like hard like country song playing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea what song no, it is, but it's it's really great for the montage. She's just like riding through. We see some like men with the lipstick kiss on their cheek, but they're in coffins. Mm. And the men she kissed, she killed. So, yeah, I mean, she's like, you killed the man I loved and destroyed the thing that I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Like, we're done playing games. Yeah, I love a femme fatale. So later on, we're back, you know, with the kids, and Stanley is working with Zero on his reading, but he is pretty worn out from digging all day. So Zero is like, hey, how about, like, I help you dig so that afterwards you're not as tired when it comes time to teach me? And Stanley says no at first, but Zero's like, listen, you're a slow digger. If we do it this way, we'll be done at the same time, because Zero is always done really quickly. Mm-hmm. So Stanley accepts the offer and Zero starts to like learn how to write his name and he tells Stanley that Zero isn't his real name and this is surprising to Stanley because even like Doc calls him Zero and Doc doesn't call anybody by their nicknames, he calls them by their given names. But Zero tells Stanley that his name is actually Hector Zeroni. Like, wouldn't you at that point after hearing all of the stories about Madame Zeroni, you'd be like, Zeroni. Zeroni. That Zeroni? name is so familiar. My ears are burning. Mm-hmm. And they shake hands and Stanley says, it's nice to meet you and doesn't think anything more of it for now. <laughs> we cut to another tutoring session where Zero spells a couple of words. I think he spells mom and something else. And he opens up to Stanley about how he wasn't always homeless He says that they used to live in a lot of different places, but then one day they just didn't live anywhere. Zero tells him that his mom had a lot of problems, but she tried to make a better life for them. And she would say, I love you more than air. And he tells him that if he could, he would hire a whole team of private investigators to find her. Hector says that he used to wait for his mom at Laney Park, and Stanley's like, oh my god, I used to go to Laney Park all the time. And Zero's like, yeah, I used to sleep in the tunnel next to the swinging bridge. That's devastating. Yeah. And so sad. Absolutely. You can definitely see kind of like the stark contrast between the two of them, where it's like, Stanley's memories is like going to hang out at this park, and Hector's is like, I had mm-hmm. to live and survive there. Not that like Stanley is particularly well off. Like it's actually said multiple times that their family is struggling and quite poor. Like they couldn't get a lawyer for Stanley even. Right, right. But just, you know, even still, there's so many class differences between the two of them. Yeah. So even though neither of them are wealthy, I think that Stanley being at Camp Green Lake, it's a very different mm-hmm. and I want to say like almost 
necessary, but like not necessary to be at this horrific camp, right. but just like necessary to meet people who are from different walks of life than he is. Mm-hmm. Because I think he leaves being a stronger, more conscious person. Definitely, yeah. Like, we don't really get to see a lot of him before camp. But, like, when he first gets there, that's kind of, like, our our understanding for his base personality at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is really great to see him through the course of the movie stand up for himself and others and, like, really be a part of a community because we don't see him with any other kids before camp he never talks about any other friends or anything so yeah it's while it's a you know a horrific situation that they're all in it is nice to see them kind of like banding together Mm -hmm. so we then go back to the holes once again take a shot every time we say back to the holes in this episode (laughs) you may die though so don't do that but doc comes by with their lunch the guys get their sandwiches and zigzag actually steals some graham crackers and goes over to stanley and is like oh stanley i'll give you a cookie if you let me dig your hole please stanley please and stanley's like you know what whatever i'll dig my own hole from now on okay just leave me alone let me eat my lunch but zigzag starts getting physical with him they start fighting Dr. P comes over and he tells Stanley to hit Zigzag and teach him a lesson. I don't remember that. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Jeez. So Stanley won't do it. He doesn't want to. And Zigzag starts beating on him, like really hitting him. And then Zero jumps in to his defense and starts choking Zigzag. So eventually... Doc shoots up in the air so that they stop. Yeah. Things are getting tense. It does feel like the tensions are high. Mm -hmm. So the warden comes out and Armpit says, you know, Ziggy was beating Caveman and Zero started choking Zigzag and he had to pull him off. And they tell her Zero has been digging a part of Stanley's hole every day. Everyone's just narking on each other. My God. I know. And I'm like... Bro, what? Mm -hmm. Like, Stanley is covered for everyone. It's true. She approaches Stanley, and he tells her that he's teaching Zero how to read. And Dr. Doc, Dr. P, whatever you want to call him, decides to quiz Zero. And he's like, what does C-A-T spell? Zero doesn't respond. And the warden tells Stanley, no more digging anyone else's holes and no more reading lessons. And he's like, okay, can I just, like, dig my own hole and still teach him how to read but the warden says no and then dr p is like well the mental stress is what made zero's blood boil not the heat you know you might as well teach a shovel to read and he tosses zero the shovel and tells him that's all he'll ever be good for and asks him what dig spells zero has had enough he is done and he wax Doc with the shovel and he tells him dig and just shoots off and runs and the warden tells Mr. Sir not to shoot because the last thing they need is an investigation and Mr. Sir's like you thought I was going to shoot him <laughs> um, but the warden says she wants round the clock guards on all the water sources oh my god it was very satisfying to see that man get whacked in the face with that shovel after he was like, this kid's so stupid, he don't even know he's stupid. And I was just sitting there in that silence leading up to it, and I was like, God, I hope he hits him. I hope he hits him. When he did, I was like, 
Let's fucking go. Let's ride. <laughs> Did you expect Zero to run away? After he whacked him? Yeah. <laughs> before, before like that? Earlier, yeah. Um, I didn't really think about it. I didn't really expect any of them to run away. Like, I just wasn't thinking like, oh, is this person going to run away or not? Just because they yeah. make it seem like you'll die if you don't. But I think it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. that Zero has hit his limit for the abuse that he's been dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. So after he bolts, everyone cheers, and we go back to a tent with the adults. And Mr. Sir, the warden, Doc, they're talking about how they're going to proceed. And warden asks Doc if Zero had any family, like who are they going to be accountable towards. And he tells her that he doesn't have any. He was a ward of the state. And she's like, okay, we're going to destroy all of his records then. And Doc is like, okay, fine. But, like, nobody's going to come looking for him. Nobody cares about Hector Zeroni. And at that moment, Stanley walks into the tent and says, I do. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Sir says, well, then his blood is on your hands. Uh, Yeah. That night in the tent, the boys talk about how if Zero isn't back by morning – he must be dead. And they talk about like him being eaten by buzzards and shit. And Stanley is just like laying in bed, unable to sleep, like thinking. Mm-hmm. So we then get a flashback to the wild, wild west and Stanley's grandfather telling him about how his great great grandfather was stranded in the desert for 16 days. We also then see this image of Zero fainting in the desert. And Stanley asks his granddad how he survived for 16 days with, the, you know, no food or water. And his grandpa says that he found refuge on God's thumb. Mm. We then see Stanley in his hole, just screaming out for Zero's name. No response. And that's when he notices a bus coming to the camp. There's a new kid here to replace him. Yes. We meet Twitch and the guys talk to him. We found out Twitch is here for stealing a car. His He's like super, super jumpy. His fingers are like, you know, just like tapping the table and stuff. He has a visor on. He does have a visor on. <laughs> he's very twitchy. Later on, they go out to dig holes, and Mr. Sir comes out to fill their water jugs. Stanley and Twitch are looking inside the cab of Mr. Sir's truck, and the guys kind of start to cause, like, a ruckus, and Mr. Sir walks over to them. He gets distracted. Stanley gets into the truck and drives off. Yeah, He's like, whoa. (laughs) Mr. Sir tries to hang on to the truck, but he ends up falling off. He tries running after it, and he falls into a hole, Mm -hmm. which was very comedic. It was very slapstick Mm -hmm. to me. But Stanley is watching him, and he doesn't pay attention. He drives the truck into a hole. So he runs out of the car. He, like, runs just off um, towards the mountains. Mm -hmm. So we then cut to a convo between the warden and Mr. Sir, kind of just talking about what they're going to do about Caveman because – Unlike Hector, he has a family that, you know. That would fucking ask questions. Will be, you know, coming back for him at some point. (laughs) And she's like, okay, here's the plan. In two weeks, two weeks, 
They'll report that he ran away and, you know, they'll call in the dogs, the helicopter, the whole nine. And by that point, there'll be nothing left to find. Dark. Very dark. Yeah. So back in the desert, Stanley keeps walking. We see flashes of the Old West, of Stanley Yelnats the first. And Stanley comes across the sunflower seed bag. And he sees this overturned boat that has, like, long been abandoned. And he walks over and actually sees Zero's feet. And he's like, Zero, Zero. Zero is thankfully still alive. And they hug. They're happy to be reunited. And Zero's like, do you have any water? And Stanley's like, no. And I'm like, fuck. You should have gotten your canteen filled first. Right. But – Zero offers him some sploosh instead. And I'm like, what? That was a weird name to pick. So he brings Stanley under the boat and just like cracks open this jar for him that was in the boat. And he tells Stanley to drink it. Like it tastes really good. So Stanley has some of it. He's like, oh, this tastes great. It's like peaches. Peaches, Mm. Kiss and Kate. That shit would be so alcoholic at this point. Oh, it must be, right? Yeah. Uh, But they drink it, (laughs) and Stanley tells him they need to head back to camp. But Zero tells him he is not going back. And Stanley's like, listen, I have a plan. We're going to go back. I'll tell the warden exactly where I found the lipstick tube, and she will be so happy we won't get into any trouble. So Zero keeps drinking this sploosh, and he asks Stanley what Maria Lowe is. And he's like, Maria Lowe? What are you talking mm-hmm. about? And Zero shows him the name engraved on the side of the boat. It's Mary Lou. They have this, like, conversation about how the Y makes a different sound at the end of a word. But Mary Lou, Sam the Onion Man's donkey, was named Mary Lou. So we're, we're melding. From melding the past with the present. Oh my God. And Stanley suddenly looks up as they're reading this the name of the boat. And he sees this shape on the top of the mountain ahead of them. And it looks like a thumb. <gasps> hmm And he tells Zero his great grandpa almost died out here. But they say he survived because he made it to the top of God's thumb. It's all coming together, baby. It's all coming back to me. (laughs) Yeah, I did like how the way that all of these stories kind of like folded into each other. Yeah. It was very well crafted, very well like set out. And I think that when they were, I can't remember if it was when the author was writing the book or when, because he also worked pretty heavily on the movie. They just had like all these flashcards of like, placing where everything was gonna go so everything like oh cool came together in a really cool way i know the guy who did the screenplay is the author mm. of the book yeah so it stayed pretty true to to most of the stuff mm-hmm. that happened in the book but yeah the story crafting is just incredible mm-hmm. i'll talk more about it at the end but i yeah. do think i think the acting and the story is good but even if the actors weren't good i'd be like the story is just so cool oh yeah it's such a compelling plot so yeah yeah We then see Zero and Caveman. They've decided to hike their way up to the top of God's Thumb. And Hector asks Stanley what he thinks is up there. And he's like, I don't know, probably a big frosty freeze. And Zero's (laughs) like, yeah, I really wish it was a hot fudge sundae. (laughs) And as they're climbing, Zero almost slips. 
but they're good. Probably because he's low key tipsy from the fucking all that sploosh. Yeah, because <laughs> like you can make wine by just putting like fruit, sugar, and water in a bottle and letting it like sit for a couple weeks. So like canned, we're not canned, but like jarred spiced peaches that's been sitting for how many years? I've seen a lot of videos of this guy eating MREs, like the military rations. Oh. And if it was there that long, there would just be botulism. Like, yeah. <laughs> I get that it's canned, but it actually doesn't stay no. food safe. No. You know, it, it will go bad even if it's canned tightly. Yeah, definitely. So as they're, like, towards the top, Stanley is trying to, like, climb up this mountain. He ends up slipping. So Zero lowers, like, the handle of the shovel down so that Stanley can climb up it. And Stanley does make it safely, but, like, Zero's hands are so, like, cut up really deep. That boy needs a tetanus deep shot, wounds. for real. Absolutely. He needs a tetanus shot. He also probably has botulism. So Yeah, he needs a lot of medical attention. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Stanley then wraps his hands with uh, some cloth. We go back to the climbing, and Zero and Stanley continue to climb. Stanley is spelling words to Zero to practice as they climb. Um, but then Zero starts to feel really sick. He vomits and loses his balance. And Stanley runs down. He, like, adjusts him to rest. He's like, it's okay. Don't worry. And Zero's like, I have to tell you something. But he starts passing out like zero is really having a hard time Mm -hmm. so stanley decides to put him on his back and we hear the refrain of madame zaroni you must carry madame zaroni up the mountain and sing while i drink so i can get strong too Mm. oh my god oh my so stanley is walking with zero on his back night has come And he's, like, honestly walking with his eyes closed. There's these bugs that are flying all around him. He's like, oh, Uh, bugs, get away. Wait a second. Bugs. If there's bugs, then that means (gasps) we pan over this beautiful mountaintop to see greenery, water. Oh, my God. God's thumb, baby. Mm. It provides. So Stanley's like, Sierra, Sierra, wake up. He like jumps in the water. It's a puddle. It's like it's not a lake or anything. Mm -hmm. He jumps in the puddle. (laughs) It's like a little brown. And he starts, you know, drinking some of the water. He splashes Zero with it, which immediately wakes him up from his poison dehydration fever dream he has going on. Mm -hmm. So Zero drinks some water and Stanley ends up finding this onion he pulls it out of the ground and takes a big bite. And he's like, oh, my God, Zero, you have to take a bite out of this. And he's like, what is it? He says, it's a hot fudge sundae. <laughs> Just eat it. <laughs> yeah. So Zero takes a big bite, and they say that it's, like, the sweetest onion that they've ever had. Aww. So Stanley just, like, lays in one of the, the little puddle, the stream, and sings the woodpecker lullaby. The curse is broken. Wow. Incredible. Mm-hmm. I did read that the onions they eat 
are actually just apples wrapped in an edible covering. Oh my God. I was really curious if they were actually just eating sweet onions or not. So I was like, okay. They made a great crunch sound. That's for sure. I was yeah. like, damn, I want to well, eat one. that's the Foley artist. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes you think like, we should just be Foley artists. You know, you ever think about that? I'm Clearly like, we're, what if we we're just do a niche <laughs> thing? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we actually go to Stanley's father who is still working in the kitchen. He is working on his odor invention and he takes a shoe out of the pot and smells it. And he brings it over to Stanley's mom. Who's like enjoying a dessert or something like she's like having a bit of food and she's like, Oh, please don't ask me to do this now. At least wait until I'm done eating. But he's Mm -hmm. like, please, I know I've asked you a million times, but just a million and one. She takes a whiff and she's like, I don't smell anything. And he's like, what? <laughs> and she's like, I don't smell anything. And he's like, pa. And he's like, I don't smell anything. And he's like, the secret is peaches and onions. <laughs> and then they have this like, which might be my favorite part of the movie. Oh my God. She's like, I don't smell anything. I don't smell anything. I don't smell anything and we see like grandpa like move his head side to side which is an image that has stayed with me for years i think it's so fun um i can't imagine a world in which peaches and onions would neutralize an odor but go off king i'm happy for you it's like peaches and onions a little bit of like seven different chemicals so we go back to god's thumb where It's morning. Stanley and Zero both wake up. We see this like giant pile of onions that they've eaten as well. (laughs) And Zero is like, Stanley, I have to tell you something. I stole the shoes. (gasps) What? So he explains to Stanley that he was living in that homeless shelter and a lot of people had donated things and he didn't know that the shoes were famous He just liked them. And it's – okay, it's never really explained, but is it supposed to be that, like, the shoes were going to be auctioned off? I think that's what it was. It had, like, a number next to it, and there were, like, women looking at a a dress on a Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's never explained. He's just like, yeah, I donated them to the shelter. I'm like, well, then why couldn't he have them? Yeah, that's, like, stupid, but I I think they're going to be auctioned off. Yeah. So zero – Or the homeless shelter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So as we know, Zero at that point couldn't read, so he didn't know that these were famous shoes. He just liked them and decided to take them. And we see him like walking down the street in these shoes, and the next thing that he knows, everyone starts freaking out. He hears all the sirens. The police are coming after him. So he took off the shoes. He tied the laces together and threw them over the bridge, and that's how they landed on Stanley. Mm -hmm. In a sick twist of fate, he ended up getting arrested a couple days later for shoplifting a pair of shoes from a Payless. That is a sick twist of fate. Yeah. And like clearly he didn't have a trial or anything. Like he just went straight to the camp, which is why he got there before Stanley did. Mm -hmm. But Stanley isn't mad at all. He's just like, wow, you know what? It was destiny. It was fate for us to end up here together they had to break the curse they did back at camp green lake 
The boys see a car drive up they've never seen before. It is fucking Stanley's attorney played by Rama Mafia. Um, I can't pinpoint what other things she's been. Oh, let me just let me. Wasn't she in Pretty Little Liars as like the one of the detectives? Yeah, Pretty Little Liars, Grey's Anatomy, Mm. Dollface, Nip Tuck, Boston Legal. Like she's a well-credited actor. Yeah, but anyways. She talks to the warden and she's like, I need to see Stanley, da da da. And the warden's like, I'm not giving you any information. So she's like, This is fucking ridiculous. Like, I'll be back. And Mr. Pandans or Dr. Pandansky, Mr. Sir, talk about how she's definitely going to come back and probably with a court order. Mm. And the warden's like, Okay, well, just tell the truth that he ran away. And Mr. Sir says, you know, will that make sense after being told he would be released? Yeah. So we find out he could have, like, gone home today if he was there. Mm-hmm. That night, Stanley tells Hector that he's actually really glad that he stole the shoes because otherwise none of this would have happened. And at first he thought that, He was sent to camp because of his family curse, but look at him now. They're not at camp anymore. They're on God's thumb. And he says he just has this weird feeling that everything's cool, you know? And Zero's like, yeah, me too. It's weird. So Zero looks up at the sky and says that the stars look like a shovel. And Stanley's like, you know what, Hector? I feel really lucky right now. I think we should dig... One more hole. Whoa. The spirit possesses him. (laughs) I know. So we have another flashback to Kiss and Kate. She's in the desert leaning against the boat where they found the canned jars of peaches. Mm -hmm. And she sees Sam and tells him it's so hot, but she feels so cold. And he tells her, I can fix that. Then we hear someone like cock their gun and say you have five seconds to tell me where you hit the loot it's trout walker so she tells trout that she's been waiting for him she's not going to kill him and like throws her gun she you know doesn't want to be armed and they ask her where the loot is that's when she realizes the woman with trout was one of her students linda gross and she's like oh you must have married him for his money And she's like, his money dried up with the lake. It hasn't rained a day since they killed Sam. Mm. Yeah. They're looking worse for wear. There are holes in their clothing. They look disheveled, Mm -hmm. which serves them right. And Kate tells them that their children and their children's children will dig for the next 100 years and they will never find it. Then she picks up a yellow lizard, puts it to her wrist, and has it bite her arm. And she goes for her final rest. Yeah. Again, heavy stuff. Very much so, Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't think that she kills herself in the book. Yeah. I think it's – it just bites her, but it's not on purpose. Because I think also when, like, they threaten to kill her, she's like – or he says something like, if you don't tell me 
where it is, like you're going to wish that you were dead. And she was like, I've been wishing that I was dead for years. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. This is dark. Yeah. So we go back to 2003. Stanley and Hector run into the desert and they start Mm -hmm. digging in, you know, Stanley's hole where he actually found the lipstick tube. And Hector's like, no, this is going to take too long. I got to get another shovel. And I'm like, just let Hector dig. Like, he's way faster than you. (laughs) But whatever. We go back to camp. Mr. Sir and Doc are, like, arguing about the truck getting stolen. Zero sneaks in to steal a little shovel from the library. (laughs) And he goes back to the hole and is like, oh, wow, Stanley. Like, you've actually gotten a lot done. And they're kind of like, I don't think she would have buried the treasure this deep. We need to make this hole wider. So they start poking to the sides of the hole and they hit something hard. (gasps) So they dig and dig and dig and they pull out a treasure chest. Holy moly. Just at that moment, Warden and Mr. Sir shine their flashlights on them. We then see the yellow lizards climb out from the sand and all over Zero and Stanley and the treasure. Yeah. So that's pretty scary. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do yeah. now, Sigourney Weaver? Mm-hmm. So Warden is like, John Voight, what are you going to do now? Exactly. So Warden's like, all right, Mr. Sir, uh, go in there and get the treasure. But hop on in. Obviously, no one wants to get bit and die. And they're like, oh, it won't matter because once the kids get bit, we can just go get the treasure. Yeah, once these kids die, we'll grab our gold. We'll take it from their musty, cold mm-hmm. hands. Doc actually tells Stanley that his lawyer came by the other day. Turns out he's innocent. Too bad you weren't there. He, he, he. The warden just kind of asks them if they, you know, like, do you know how long I've been searching My granddaddy owned this whole lake and dried it up and drove himself crazy out here digging holes. And that is when we get the flashback to when the warden was just a little girl and her grandfather making her dig all these holes. And we get the, I'm tired of this, grandpa. Well, that's too damn bad moment. (laughs) Keep digging. This man, we cannot stress enough how absolutely decrepit this man looks. The oldest man I've ever seen. I'm tired of digging, Granddad. Well, that's too damn bad. (laughs) It's like (laughs) the most energy this man has exerted for years. I'm like, he actually died 30 seconds after that because uh, it took everything him in. so bad. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. So yeah, that, that was her whole life was digging. And then she has passed uh, this on to countless other children. Mm-hmm. It's called trauma projecting. Mm-hmm. In the morning, the warden's like, all right, let's just start shooting. And Dr. Pandansky is like, are you referring to the lizards or the kids? <laughs> like, the fuck? Yeah. Then they see Stanley's lawyer and the fucking sheriff drive up to the camp. And they're like, oh, my God. So the warden is like, all right, keep the kids in the mess hall. Don't say a word. And Zero asks Stanley if his last name is his first name spelled backwards. But before we can really continue with that conversation, Stanley's lawyer comes out and sees the boys covered with the lizards. She's like, 
have you guys tried to get them out? Like, you know, and the warden is like, well, what do you expect us to do? Like, what would you like us to do? Mm -hmm. So the warden decides to make up a lie about how they stole her trunk from her room. And that's when Stanley finally gets out of the hole and says that she is lying. Zero gets out too, and he's like, we didn't steal anything. And the warden like comes over, and she's like, oh, I'm so happy you're okay. Let me take that trunk <laughs> from you. And he's like, no. And she's like, give me the trunk. And she's like, it has Stanley's name on it. What? And then Zero reads out the inscription, Stanley Yelnats. And Doc is like, he can't read. But a man's been studying. Mm-hmm. He can read, actually. He's been up in the gym working on his fitness, and his fitness is reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this sheriff guy with the attorney comes over. He takes the trunk, and we notice that Mr. Sir is, like, hiding behind his collar. Like, he's mm-hmm. being very aloof right now. Yeah. So we go back to camp. Stanley is getting his stuff, and the attorney is like, all right, we're getting out of here, get in the car. But Stanley is like, no, I'm not leaving without Hector. And she's like, I don't, I don't know. There's like nothing I can do for him. But Stanley refuses. So the attorney asks to see Hector's file. So Mr. Sir, the warden, and Doc kind of all look at each other. And warden is like, well, go get uh, Hector's file. Just go, just go grab it. We didn't burn it. We didn't, we didn't shred it. There's nothing wrong with the file. It's just in the go office. Get it. You know. So Doc, like, goes into the office to stand there for 30 seconds. Meanwhile, all of the kids come out. They're so happy to see Stanley and Hector are alive. Doc comes back out and is like, there is no file for a Hector Zeroni. And the officers are like, what kind of camp are you running? There's no file. You know what? We're going to order an investigation of this facility. Mm-hmm. And Armpit... Ends up, like, asking for a little piece of paper. Nobody has a piece of paper except for Mr. Sir, who is standing there covering his face with a clipboard. And once he hands it over to, you know, give that piece of paper, Armpit writes his phone number on it and asks Stanley to call his mom and tell her that Theodore said he was sorry. The sheriff then notices who Mr. Sir is Mar- Marion mm-hmm. Seville or something like that and is like Marion Seville you're in violation of your parole by carrying a weapon and he gets arrested and the warden is like damn that's crazy I had no idea about any of that and Mr. Sir is like oh yeah just like you had no idea that Pendensky wasn't a real doctor and so obviously the sheriffs arrest all three of them because they are oh, yeah. frauds. They're like immediate <laughs> yeah. fucking investigation on this Absolutely. shit. So all the boys start cheering. The attorney tells Hector that he's free to come with them. All of a sudden, thunder, lightning, rain. It is raining for the first time in who knows how many years. Stanley and Hector are about to get in the car after everybody celebrates in the rain And the warden begs Stanley, please, like, please, just open the trunk. I just need to see what's inside. And Stanley looks at her and goes, excuse me, slams the trunk. Boom. And they drive away. That woman needed therapy. Everybody 
needed therapy. Everybody needs Absolutely. therapy. Yeah. And it's so satisfying when he says, excuse me, mm-hmm. and he closes the trunk. And it's just like, boom, you are a nasty, nasty person. Yeah. So we go to the Yelnats house. They finally have the trunk in front of them. The boys are still in their like dusty Let them shower. My God. (laughs) And they're about to open the trunk and Stanley just says, you know, whatever is in here, can we just agree to give half to Hector because he helped me find this? And obviously his parents being really Mm -hmm. kind people, of course they say like, yes, no problem. And – his grandfather's like, did you say Hector Zeroni? And comes over and he's like, oh, and gives him like a hug. And they pop open the trunk. Also, like Stanley's dad pops it open and his mom's like, oh, you still got it. Because <laughs> he like gets it open on the first try. And uh, they look in the trunk. There's gold. There's gold coins. There's bonds for 25 thousand doll hairs for at&t is the company that it's right 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 (laughs) and and they're like how much is it worth honey and he's like well i mean it's for twenty five thousand, but it's worth a lot more now millions Mm -hmm. and his dad goes to he's like one for us one for you one for mr zeroni (laughs) one for us one for mr zeroni oh my god it is a glorious moment for both parties yeah, those bonds really came in clutch. Because, like, obviously, you know, the gold is worth yeah. something. For those bonds? Like, you'd really have to go to an auction mm-hmm. house or some or a pawn shop to get the gold yeah. traded. The bonds, baby, that's pure cashola. Mm-hmm. Okay? I think it was, like, 1901 or something, like, ridiculous. Something like that. insane. Yeah. yeah. So later on, months later, I'm assuming weeks, I don't know. Hector has paid for a private investigator to find his mother, and they're at the bus depot. His mom walks off the bus, and they reunite. It turns out his mom had been looking for him, too. And Stanley tells us that's how the great-great-grandson of Elia Yelnats and the great-great-great-grandson of Madame Zeroni became next-door neighbors. We see Hector jump in an in-ground pool, and Stanley tells us Camp Green Lake was closed, and the boys were released for time served, and they got to see real counselors. Good, because mm-hmm. they're going to have a lot of trauma that needs to be unpacked from their experience there. Absolutely. And he also tells us that the camp is supposed to reopen as a girls' camp soon, but they won't have to worry about lizards as long as they eat a lot of onions. Oh, yeah, they kind of glazed over the fact that the reason that the lizards weren't biting uh, the boys is because they had just eaten a fuck ton of onions. Yeah, like no one in the present day really (laughs) talks about that, but. Yeah, but that's why. (laughs) Finally, we see a commercial for Sploosh deodorizing spray with Mr. Sweet Feet himself. We also see that Sweet Feet is like watching the the thing with mm-hmm. them they're in his house and we just end with the dig it song and we hear shia labeouf rap we hear oh, x-ray God. rap and like <laughs> it's a very like kid song mm-hmm. but um it is it is like very enjoyable i would look it up if you have a moment 
But yeah, that's holes, baby. What were your your <laughs> overall thoughts? What did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, I really liked it. I Honestly, I didn't even know it was a book before I started watching it. But there was a certain point where I was like, this has to be based on a book because like the story is too interesting for it not to be. Like there's just so many facets and like yeah, yeah. the way that all these different storylines and different time periods come together in a very satisfying way. I was like, this really does feel like it was well thought out in a way that mm-hmm. not all screenplays necessarily are. Um, of course. But yeah, I really enjoyed the story. Um, I love that it was it was a it's a kids movie, but it doesn't talk down to kids. It it really does have some dark themes in there for sure. So I do think like maybe if you're a parent watching it with a younger child, it would be worth just like having a conversation afterwards about some of the things that you saw. You obviously don't have to like super dissect it, but just to like you know touch on the things that happened. Um. But overall, I just – I really enjoyed it. I thought that the performances were really strong. And while it is, I guess, like – I don't know what it would be classified as if it's classified as, like, family adventure movie, I do kind of see it living in the world of, like, magic realism, slight fantasy because, like, the world is so weird. People love – Magic realism in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought that those elements were really cool. And I mean, it, it just it had a lot of commentary on stuff that is still very, very relevant today. So I think it really, mm-hmm. it really still stands as something. Um, yeah. To be talked about. Uh, whoever casted this movie, I think, did a great job. I think the chemistry of the kids at the camp was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The way that they characterized the different people, too. Obviously, there were some, like, things like armpit smelly. So he's, like, has that attribute. He's, like, a little doll. Mm -hmm. And he can be, like, really silly. But I think the way that they characterized them, because even armpit has that moment towards the end where he's, like, can you give this – can you give my mom Mm -hmm. a call and tell her I'm sorry? So I think that they did a great job at not just – making characters for the sake of the movie. Yeah. I feel like all of the characters they included had a really well-rounded place in the movie. And for me, there weren't scenes that I would have, like, cut. I think that it was all, like, really necessary to move the story forward. And the way that they, um, like, aligned the flashbacks Mm -hmm. with the present day was so well done. Yeah, I think it's just a a movie that really holds up over time. And I think at the heart of it, it's like this family curse that needs to be broken. But ultimately, the reason the curse is broken is because Stanley decides to do something brave Mm -hmm. and like take this risk and really like care about someone who has never had someone – you know, be there for him in that way. And because he does that, and that's ultimately how he ends up overcoming this family curse. So like it's, you know, the power always was held within them to break the curse. Yeah. I think it really speaks to like the the power of community and the power of, um, you know, investing in relationships. Mm-hmm. And like friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, 
this movie is kind of about generational trauma and the way that yeah, for real, you know those those cycles continue, and it really always does. It does come down to like individuals to like break those cycles. I'd be really curious to hear what people's opinions of the book were. Like if you read the book when you were a kid, what you took away from it. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend reading the book, even though I haven't read it. Like I've heard it; it's really good. And then also the Armpit spinoff book, yeah, is really good. But yeah, is it? It's definitely like a movie I can watch over and over again. I think the story is just really great. And uh, I will say, like a young Shia LaBeouf has such a fucking broad capacity as an actor like to do even Stevens which is such a comedy and then to do this role which is so I don't want to say miserable but just like tragic Mm -hmm. and like very grounded character I thought it was great I thought Zero also did Mm -hmm. a phenomenal job and it really just speaks to like the talent of the young actors in the movie that they can act alongside these powerhouse adult right. actors with so many, so much experience and really hold their own in a scene. Yeah, I was really impressed with the the kids' performances. I think Zero like definitely stole the show for me in a way that I wasn't expecting. But you just you can't you can't not fall in love with him. Just a sweet You can't. Sweet soul. So it's really good. I think I had previously, like before seeing it, just kind of written it off as like oh, like, this is, like, a silly boys movie <laughs> based on, like, literally oh, yeah. the poster. Well, it is. So. <laughs> it kind of is a rare uh, male friendship movie. Yeah. I don't think there is a lot of movies geared toward guys or young men mm-hmm. who are going through hard times, you know, like, really difficult times. These boys are, like, kind of at the age where they're going through, like, puberty and stuff. And although that's not what the subject matter is, like to watch this movie at a younger time in your mm-hmm. life and be like, whoa, this is some tough shit. Like I feel like if you're going through some tough shit, like you could glean some hope right. from watching this movie. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because when I think of like male friendship movies, it's often just like so heavily reliant on comedy that the tender moments are yeah. kind of the exception to the whole movie like something like super bad you know um where the the real love story is between michael Sarah and jonah hill like not not in a romantic right. sense but that's kind of the arc that we follow with their friendship throughout and we they really save those like tender friendship moments for the very end but the majority of it is just like undercutting everything with comedy so it was really nice to see mm-hmm. like male friendships in a way that didn't use didn't go that route yeah i agree yeah that also reminds me because we didn't really talk about like kiss and kate that much but one thing that i really found interesting is that it's kind of framed in the beginning that what she cares about is money but she actually doesn't care about the money at all she doesn't use it or keep it for herself she buries it because what what she cares about is like taking down men in power which i thought was pretty cool Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the injustice of what happened with sam inspires her to kind of forget about her decorum Mm -hmm. and I guess in a sad way it made her lose hope in humanity but it also like inspired her to break out of the shackles of like her 
very soft, effeminate, pleasing manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it also makes you think about how the people who are doing evil things, like, they never sleep well at night. Like, they always get their just desserts, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know if that's entirely true, but in this case, right. at least they do. Yeah. Which is good. Definitely. And I guess on that note, what would you rate the film? Hmm. I mean, I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. It's obviously like I don't have the the nostalgia attachment to it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give it like a solid like 7.75. I'm going to give it a 9. Yeah. <laughs> I really like this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Watching it again, I remembered how much I like it, especially like there were some parts. It took me – really long time to watch this obviously it's like a long mm-hmm. movie but um there were some parts where like when he runs away when we see miss Catherine become kiss and kate like i was just totally glued to the screen yeah. like i couldn't take notes i had to like pause it and go back and read the script mm-hmm. and like do my notes but yeah the, the movie really enthralls you yeah i would recommend re-watching it well, if you are in Canada, you can watch it on Disney+. Plus. Yes, and if you are in the United States of America, you can watch it on Disney+, Plus as well. Beautiful. It's on both, both countries. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Yes. We're doing two more episodes this November, and today is a twofer. Yes. So make sure, if you're interested in hearing us cover Juno, you subscribe to the Patreon It's $5 a month, and you get some bonus perks. So it's something to look into if you're interested. Yeah, definitely. Also, if you want more content, you can follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can also follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. And if you want to send us just a good old-fashioned email, you have some questions, you have some stuff to talk about, whatever you'd like, you can send us an email at moviesthatraisedus at gmail.com. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.